You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. What's up, everybody? It's episode 166 of the Pimp Cron Warhammer Podcast. We're brought to you tonight by our beautiful, sexy, good-smelling Patreon patrons and GameMat.eu. Um, who is also both beautiful and good-smelling. And uh, Event 10 will give you 10% off your order for them for supporting the show. And what are we talking about tonight? Well, I have a completely BS, completely off the top of my head, Warhammer Underworld's Harrow Deep review. And uh, I know nothing about that game or that set, so that's a, that's a fun little uh, trip. I also have a Tesseract mailbox from our friend Leroy Jenkins, and he's discussing the complexity of 9th edition. And then I also have a whole segment that spawned from a message someone asked me about piracy. File piracy, miniatures piracy, so we discussed that. The impact of it on just various different industries, and the impact of it on me personally with brutality, and all of that. What have I been up to? I got my face completely smashed in. I mean, bite the curb style smashed in um me and james teamed up uh beast of chaos and what was he playing what was he playing oh hedonites of slanesh um beast of chaos and hedonites of slanesh i only take do uh bulgors and actually it was just bulgors and one man i'm drawing blanks tonight what's the gorgon and uh, we were playing against our friends TJ and David. David had Orc War Clans, and TJ had his uh, Soul Blight. And they just completely smashed our face. I think they won 14 to 4. Was that it? I, th- I think it was 20. 20 to 4. Something like that. It was completely just decimated us. Um, it was a pretty bad matchup. The Orc War Clans, they get like plus 1 to hit. It's like doff up the big thing. And if you're four wounds or higher, which was my entire army, because I don't take Beast of Gores, uh, my entire army was four wounds or higher. So I did ambush him from behind, and I did get one good hit in, and then he continued to beat the crap out of me and tear me limb from limb. Uh, so we got really aced on that. I don't really know exactly what we did wrong. It could be a list thing. It could be that Beasts of Chaos are like kind of a laughable force. Um, I don't really like to blame the Codex, though, when I when I lose. I don't really know what it was. But, anyway, I still like my Bulgors and my Dragon Ogres. That's my entire army. So, like, whatever. Um, it's still a fun game, though. But I was falling asleep by the end of it. I'm an old man. I am nearly finished with the Brutality Supplement. I know I say this every single week for months, but um, I am editing through it and then editing through it. This is I'm about to start my third pass of editing through this. And uh, before I release it for sale, and I'm very excited about it, I went up to Pennsylvania to see my friend Max, and I know him, I met him through Brutality, actually, and then also through Shorehammer, and this was many years ago, and uh, so uh, we went hiking, we do this every year, either I come up to him or he goes down to me or whatever, And uh, it was my turn to come up to him, so I went up and we hiked all day, we walked uh, about nine miles um, we don't always have reception, so the GPS doesn't always track it, but it was about nine miles, and, uh, that was fun, walked around this beautiful lake, and I love the fall and the cool air, and man, I'm just in heaven, 
Um, me and Max uh, get along real well, and uh, he likes brutality, so do I. So I was talking him up about the new supplement. I printed out the supplement, and we played last night at his game club, and uh, he really did like it. And um, it just so happens that he was going to ask me about, hey, have you ever thought about adding more RPG elements to it? And that's exactly what the supplement is. So he was pleased with it, and he enjoyed the uh, two missions he did. And um, then I came back home today after eating breakfast with Max again. So um, it was very fun. I always look forward to it. And I'll be seeing him and a bunch of other people that I'm looking forward to seeing, including uh, Grendel and Leroy Jenkins. And I'll be seeing them at Shorehammer in one month. So it is December 2nd through 5th, I believe, and um, in Ocean City, Maryland. So if you get a chance... You should. Oh, and what about our what about our buddy uh, uh, Jonathan Scott? Yeah, so uh, that's another one that we see at Shorehammer every year, and I know he's a listener. And um, so anyway, that's um, that's about it. That's all I've been up to. So very very busy wrapping up my season, but man, I do love me some fall. Well, um, you should even if you don't like Hair Deep, um, you will either love my review of it or you will hate it and find it annoying. So why don't you go check that out and see how you take it, and then message me at pimpcron at gmail.com or facebook.com/pimcron. And also check out What Hammer on YouTube, please. Later, Gators. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. On this Tesseract Mailbox, we have a letter at pimpcrongmail at gmail.com from our buddy, Leroy Jenkins. He writes, Really enjoyed the show last week. The rules are definitely overly complicated in 9th edition, but this might just be what the world needs right now. Wait a second. I thought what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Apparently what he's saying is we need overly complicated 9th edition rules. He says, I have not had this much fun parsing through rules and trying to figure out how armies tick and cool little tricks you can find. I also have not had this much free time in years. With the world the way it is, I think 40k is providing an escape and entertainment for a lot of people. Just look at their record sales. I know you have been busier than ever and I can see why it is too much. The good thing is there is always AOS, Brutality, and local meta-slash-house rules that can keep gaming fun. The game is really about getting together with friends and having a good time. Getting excited for Shorehammer! Can't wait to get away for the weekend. P.S. What Hammer is hilarious. I hope you're using the Pantsless Marine in real games. Thanks for the uh, plug on What Hammer there, uh, Leroy. Uh, what Hammer, W-U-T, Hammer is uh, what the sketches that I've been doing on YouTube. So, just FYI. Um, but, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think um, everybody could use a bit of a distraction, and I think people have certainly been using Warhammer as a distraction. And, like you said, um, this new rule set doesn't necessarily cater to me and my several armies, but if you've got one or two armies, it should be pretty easy to keep up with. So, it's not all bad. Um... I still prefer a simpler game, but what do you do? You know, it's either, ultimately, you hear a bunch of people complaining, and they're like, oh, I hate this, this sucks, blah, blah, blah. And I am not going to disagree with them on that, because this is not my preferred edition either. I really liked 8th edition, it was my favorite. So, I have two options. I can either sell all of my armies, 
and completely get out of the game because I'm so mad that 9th edition is different. Or the alternative would be that I continue playing and just kind of learn to enjoy it, knowing that inevitably in two years or maybe two days, 10th uh, edition is coming out. So, you know, it'll be different then, and maybe they'll go back to simplicity, who knows. But it might suit me better. And the third option would be that I just stop playing, I shelve everything, and I wait for 10th edition, which I may not have long to wait, or might be a couple years. Um, currently, it seems like they're on the two-year cycle, so I think it'll be roughly 2023? No way. It's got to be 2024. No, 2023 is... I don't know. Dude, math is hard. The point is, no, it came out in 2020. So it'd be 2022, this upcoming year, a new edition would be coming out, which, I don't know, that seems a bit premature because, um, you know, there's a, a lot of the books are not out yet. So, I mean, of course, they're not going to do that. I think they, really, it feels like new editions are just an excuse for them to go, whoops, now we got to redo all the books because they always change core game mechanics, seemingly for no reason, because a lot of these are not necessarily a net positive in the change. It's just a change. So then now there's a, a meta change and all of that. Of course, the changing meta of the game is not inherently a bad thing. It's good that different armies get on rotated on top, you know, at different times. So everybody, except for you, Tyranids, and you cast Space Marines, have your time in the sun. But it does sometimes seem like they're just doing stuff for the sake of doing stuff. And that's a little bit annoying. But once again... Either shut up about it, keep playing, shut up about it and stow your stuff, or shut up and just quit the game altogether, but you'll notice all three of those options was just shut up about it. <laughs> I got too much going on to worry about this edition, so I'm going to keep playing it, and I have slowly learned to like it more, so that's how it is. And also, I am very excited for Shorehammer as well. Uh, looking forward to seeing a bunch of our friends... Uh, Mike and Leroy Jenkins and uh, Grendel and a lot of our friends from all over the place. So that's that's very exciting. Anyway, let's go in the next segment. Want that or want that lot? Hey, this is the want that or want that not segment. And, you know, I usually like to cover things that I know stuff about, such as miniatures and whatnot. But I figured, you know what? Why don't I cover something I know nothing about? And why don't we review Warhammer Underworld's Harrow Deep? So, this is actually the sequel to Harrow Shallow Underworld's. Uh, that was a set previous to this, I believe. And it comes with um two-sided board. Looks like you're underwater. So, that's interesting. I would assume there's some sort of breathing mechanic or something. It's strange, though. I guess they use magic. Um, The woman on the cover has a halo on... And I don't know if that's just a poorly painted globe around her head for fighting underwater or not, but um, because Harrow Deep clearly are they're definitely underwater here, and it's quite harrowing actually how how deep they actually are. It's a fast paced game, which of course a lot of you will be relieved to hear because actually Warhammer Underworld Shallow uh, Harrow Shallow was a very slow paced game, weeks to finish, and this is a deck based skirmish game. Because they're like, how, you know, everybody loves skirmish games. So how could we make it more of like a card game? 
And what they figured out is they could just introduce cards into a skirmish game because everybody loves skirmish games. Everybody loves card games. Why don't you merge the two, have some sort of horrible abomination of an offspring. And here we are. You get two warbands for this made up of push fit miniatures, which is fantastic because who needs the hobby and play out of the box with pre-built decks? Because once again, who needs strategy, right? I actually hope that this tells you exactly how to play and what to do on every single turn. So you basically can just set up the board and watch these two AI teams just play each other. And that way you don't actually have to play. You don't have to hobby and you probably don't even have to hold your breath during this because the board is like real bluish and it looks like it's underwater, but you, it is actually not suggested that you play this underwater. Uh, because there's a lot of tokens and stuff in the cards. They might be waterproof, but you know how that goes. I would not. Even if you shellac these, I would not suggest uh, playing this underwater. Now, your miniatures will be fine. Miniatures traditionally, um, unless these are paper mache miniatures, which I don't see it. Um, good God, this lady's ugly. This one character. Whew, it just it just knocked the wind out of my lungs. This lady is homely. Um, so, once again, no breathing helmet. I don't know why, but she's got a lantern and a sword. The model looks, uh, okay. She looks like she's of poor genetic descent. Seems like she's got something wrong with her there. Um, the guy next to her, um, he looks very old. Kind of like a peasant that found some armor and a hammer. And he, I would say he can probably hold his breath pretty, pretty long. Um, long enough to be in the Harrow Deep. This other person has a helmet, looks like it's a woman, an archer, and it looks generically like a Stormcast. It's it's totally fine, I suppose, if you're into that sort of thing. Then we've got a bird. Now, this is weird, because I'm like, this is underwater, clearly, and it's optional whether or not you play it actually underwater, but a bird? Like, I feel like that is a bridge too far. You're going to make me play underwater and hold my breath. You're going to make me shellac my cards and my tokens and whatever and that's fine that's a creative decision but now you're including birds that just doesn't ring true i don't know i I feel like the fantasy element of this has just gone too far now the next thing is the other warband is a bunch of cruel boys and i have no idea how they're gonna swim with this amount of armor on They've, they've got a lot of heavy heavy armor and one of them has a crow and I'm like, come on, GW, do do your research. If you're going to do an underwater fighting game, right, with, with waterproof cards and all of that, and literally encourage people to hold their breath and play at the bottom of a pool, you don't include birds. Like, that's just, you need to do your research. I feel like, and this may not be something everybody knows because I live near the coast, so maybe this is not something that, like, if you live in the mountains, you don't know this, but birds are typically not found underwater in the wild. So that's just, uh, it's, it's one of those things that like a five second Google research GW and you would know that, oh, wait a second, birds are like not underwater typically. Now, the only thing that would, that would kind of balance this out if they have like Harrow Ariel or something like that's the next set and it's all up in the sky, right? And then they have a bunch of fish like this dude with just a fish perched on his shoulder, then that would make, make sense to me at least. The main character has like a birdcage on his head, which once again, I think it's supposed to be like glass in between the bars so he can breathe underwater. And that kind of makes sense. He's got a pet raven on his shoulder, um, an aquatic raven, I assume. 
And um, maybe those aren't feathers. Maybe those are scales. I don't know. Who am I to judge, to be honest? And uh, it's a pretty cool-looking model, to be honest. This character with the whip, he's, it's pretty cool. And look, he's even got cattails. That is proof right there this is an underwater game. Cattails. You don't find cattails in the desert. Next person is so heavily armored, all you can see is his little nose poking out. It's adorable. It's an orc. He's got this big, like, prostate examiner or something. I don't know what the nipple pincher, something he's got. And uh, forceps. Oh, it's gyno. That's what it is. Yeah, that's a um, speculum, I think he's got. And uh, anyway, he's pretty cool looking. Once again, I hope he's got some sort of air bladder or something. Then we've got a hobgoblin, and he's kind of cool. He's got his arm cut off and just a knife. Like, I hope he never scratches his nose with that. And then another goblin, I guess. Looks a little big for a goblin. Um, that's what I say to the kids that come up to my door at Halloween. Oh, you're a little big for a goblin. And he's pretty generic. The other large goblin has a net, which, haha, <laughs> Harrow Deep, we're underwater, that's a net. Um, other than that, he's not very interesting. And um, this is the Xanderes Truth Seekers, is the humans. The ones with the stupid white bird. Stupid white underwater bird. I hate it so much. Anyway, it's got a bunch of tokens involved. I see some yellow tokens and gray tokens. I assume the yellow ones are gold and the gray ones are uh, nickels, I think. And there's red ones over there, which are probably nosebleed droplets, because if you go deep enough and uh, the pressure gets too much. So I think that's probably tokens for the, uh, the nosebleeding and... I, to be honest, think that's a nice touch. It's a little weird to me that they knew about the pressure of the deep water, but they didn't know about the whole aquatic bird thing. It's just strange to me. Um, then you've got a bunch of other tokens. They look like um, just just tokens for... Actually, they're not even part of the game. They're, those are tokens for Monopoly that come with the set. Um, a weird design choice, but, I mean, it's whatever, I guess. GW can make Monopoly tokens and put them in their... Harrow Deep set, I suppose. And um, Underworlds is um, a very popular game among the um, incarcerated. And uh, this, I mean, they don't, they notoriously at prisons, they don't allow pools. So I feel like GW is really reaching out to that community and the, the felons, the convicts, the people incarcerated. And they're like, hey, look, I know you don't have pools because you'd probably drown each other. Half of you are probably in there for drowning other people. So you never get anything more than a shower. And uh, so they kind of made this board game so that prisoners could maybe feel the, the, the depth of the water and, you know, live a little vicariously through that. And um, But I just, I really, out of everything, I think it's reckless to show birds underwater. I feel like this is going to lead to a whole slew of birds, pet birds, being shoved underwater and expected to thrive. And they will be able to manage at best. A bird underwater is probably going to be okay, but they're not going to like it. And really, that's the that's the key thing here, is that, like, is your... Sure, your bird can quickly adapt to underwater breathing. It'll form lungs. I mean, that's just evolution. Read a fucking book, okay? But the point is... Will they be happy? And as a pet owner, you got to worry about that. So I think Games Workshop, they're setting a, a dangerous precedent that all these parakeet owners, these parrots and the cockatoos and all that, suddenly they're going to shove them underwater. And I don't think your pets are going to be very happy. 
So I assume they'll make out fine. Like, I don't, I don't think that's a problem because that's the way evolution works is it's, you know, whatever you need at that time, it, it kind of adapts. Um, but anyway, so this is my review of Harrow Deep and it's $95. Um, really, I don't know if that's a good price or not. $95 seems okay. Uh, I don't know. Unfortunately, they don't have like a like a conversion chart for like how many packs of cigarettes that would be in jail. So unless they're keeping this in the commissary or something, like how many how many weeks of highway roadside trash pickup would it be for you to buy the Harrow Deep set for you and your cellmates? I have no idea. Um, I, I think they get paid like a dollar a day or something. So you're really going to be you're really going to be working hard. That's a, that's a couple hundred pounds of trash you're going to be picking up. And, uh, you know, also no shenanigans in the shower, no shankings. You really got to be on the best behavior. And I feel like uh, if you really want Harrow Deep, which I think this is going to be another big hit, like all the Underworlds is a big hit with felons. Um, I think that this is probably going to have a positive impact on the jail population. And, uh, so that's hopefully, I don't know if they had like an arrangement with jailers or something like that. Like, Hey, give our guys something to do. Oh, pretend they're underwater, you know? Um, but anyway, so I think I would, I would rate this $95 for free people that are not currently under the control of the law. Um, $95 is okay for this. I don't think it's fantastic. Uh, I still have my serious trouble with birds underwater, but I would guess this is probably four or five packs of cigarettes worth in jail, and that's probably an okay price. I mean, where else are you going to get deep sea fighting, right? Anyway, sorry, I just completely BS this entire uh, this entire segment as I was looking at the set. So, um, the only thing that I cannot attest to about the accuracy of this is whether or not those really are blood nosebleed tokens um i think everything else is pretty accurate but the nosebleed token thing is mm, i don't know I, I would i would probably research that if i were you anyway don't drown your don't drown your parakeets and this is a want that not now it's time for real talk with Pentcron. Hey, it's the Real Talk with Pimpcron, and today we are discussing piracy. Our matey! Swab the deck, you scurvy dog! Not necessarily that type of piracy, but you know what? It fits in it too. While I was researching this, actually maritime piracy came up quite a bit, and um, that's kind of an interesting topic. It's not something you hear much anymore, like maybe Somali pirates is the last time you've heard of uh, pirates, but um, there are small piracy bands all around the world that hassle local people, but that's not really what I'm discussing. Uh, I got an email recently. Actually, it was on Messenger. Somebody messaged me on Facebook, and um, they were asking, like, hey, you're a small company for brutality. How do you combat piracy? And is that a concern of yours? Of course, that is a concern of mine, because, you know, I mean, every rule book that gets leaked out there for free is not one that you're making money on. So the more it's pirated, the less it's worth it to you to make because you don't see that. You know, you might have had your rule book pirated 300 times and you only sold 100 copies and you're thinking, oh man, there's only 100 people interested in my product. But come to find out there's actually 400 people and I'm blowing up numbers because there's 
Piracy is extremely hard to root out, and the shareability of digital information, it's actually one of the reasons why I almost did not provide a PDF version of the rules, um, because of the whole piracy thing. And, um, of course, people can still scan it like they do with GW products, but you'll notice that GW is not offering digital codexes anymore um, for sale. They will allow you to see it in their app or whatever, but they're not selling the PDF or the um, whatever the Apple version of PDFs are. Um, they're not selling those anymore, uh, which is interesting. But um, piracy is a pretty big deal, and I did find one site where my file was supposedly being shared. I didn't appreciate it. Um, I really don't think there's anything you're going to do about it. And um, especially piracy especially hurts people like me, the smaller people, because, I mean, we're not making millions of dollars to begin with, so every time that you, you know, pirate something, it's coming straight out of their pocket. Um, there was a RPG system called Mythic that I used to play with, and it was a DM-less RPG, and, um, of course, you can find it for free, I'm sure you can, because it's a PDF, and pretty much every PDF is available illegally. But I did actually buy it because it's a one-man operation. I wanted to support him, so I bought it and I had it printed out. He did not offer a physical version. He only offered this digital version. So I had to go to, like, Staples and get it printed out. But I had another friend that was like, wow, I really like Mythic. And I'm like, well, make sure you don't pirate it. Make sure that... Because um, it was insinuated that I might give him my copy that I had bought. And I'm like, uh, no, make sure you don't pirate it because, I mean, this is a, a one-man operation, this mythic system, and it's just not cool to be doing that. Um, obviously, we have more, uh, we have less love lost with corporations, the giant corporations that make billions and billions of dollars. Obviously, you know, a lot of people are much more okay with stealing from them. And, of course, there's always that argument where, like, if you're downloading music, you're like, well, I never would have bought that CD anyway, so downloading it's not a big deal. And, I mean, arguably, philosophically, that kind of makes sense, but then you still should not have access to that information if you didn't buy it, you know? But, I mean, what do you do? There's nothing, there's no stopping piracy. So, um, I do periodically look for my files, search my files, you know, for piracy and all that online. But there's not a whole lot you can do. You can contact the website, have it taken down, or whatever. But it's going to happen to some degree. So really, as a small publisher, um, the best thing you can do is prey on people's sympathy and point out the fact that, hey, I'm not some giant corporation. I'm just one dude. Please don't steal from me. And that's basically what you can do. Because other than that, you don't have some huge legal team behind you or whatever. Um, a Games Workshop is a completely different story. Games Workshop does make millions of dollars, or, yeah, I don't think it's billions, I think it's millions, and they make millions, millions of dollars, and they do have overpriced product, and their PR is not always the best. We went through a small golden age around 8th edition, where all of a sudden it was good guy GW, and a lot of people slowly changed their minds about GW, including myself, because I used to be very anti-GW. And now it seems like with 9th edition and them attacking YouTube creators and all that, a lot of the population has kind of soured their view on GW, and I would not be surprised for one heartbeat if piracy increased with the PR. Because just like a company, I mean, just like with a little guy like me, if people don't find you likable, they're like, well, F that dude, I'm going to steal his crap. And that's what they're going to do. 
But if they actually like you and they see that you're a nice person and you're friendly and all of that, just like with Games Workshop, if Games Workshop is friendly and all of that publicly, well, they might be a faceless corporation, but at least they're not rude outwardly. Um, and that's what a lot of people have had their opinions changed once again about the whole YouTube, the IP thing. Now, of course, that's a whole nother debate I'm not going to get into here. And um, arguably, you know, within the restraints of the law, they have every right to do that. Whether or not they're going overboard is up to you to judge. But it's not really what I'm talking about here. Um, Games Workshop, it's pretty easy to find pirated information from them from, you know, the different codexes or Forge World or whatever. And there's some even some pretty obvious websites that do it. Like, it's really easy to find. And I'm no tech-savvy person more than the average, you know. I don't have to go to the dark web and, you know, go clickety-clack. Okay, I'm in. You know, nothing like that. Um, so, there is, um, it's pretty easy to get them. Also, there's a million 3D printed files that are using GW's IP. Even if they sculpted the 3D STL by themselves, they are still using the imagery and the style and all of that of Warhammer. So... Games Workshop, they may not be the most likable company all the time, but like a lot of other companies, they have a lot of threats going around them. And, um, I mean, you can feel bad for them or not, it doesn't really matter, but the point is, is that they do have a lot of wolves at the door. 3D printing and the STLs are definitely part of it, and that is a form of piracy. While they're not, like, actually shoplifting models, they, they're halfway doing it. Because the money that, I mean, if you shoplifted models, you're actually stealing from the store. So if it's not a GW store, you're actually hurting the local store. But let's say it's a GW store you're shoplifting from. All they're missing out on is the cost of that product to ship it, to distribute it, to the, for the boxing, you know, the packaging and all that. That's what they're missing out on. If you're taking an STL that someone made that's based off of the likeness of Games Workshop, they are just missing the potential sale. That's the harm that comes to them. But of course, you know, that does add up and enough potential sales lost is going to impact them. Now, whether or not you hate GW and whether or not you think they deserve to be impacted is a completely different topic as well, but there is impact to it. It is a form of piracy and theft. So arguably you could play Warhammer super, super cheap by pirating all of their documents and pirating all the miniatures. But if you're going to go to all those lengths to pirate all the information and all the miniatures and, you know, do the STL thing and pay pennies on the dollar for your army, why are you, if you, if you like the game so much, why would you not support the game? You know, like you, you can hate the company, but there comes a time where you need to give some money to this game or this game would arguably not be around anymore. Now, as we know, Games Workshop, um, up until recently, has had some really good sales numbers. So, things have been looking up, but that can't sustain itself forever. And uh, I definitely, obviously, the, the elephant in the room is the 3D printers, and they're getting better every single year. But it is all theft, so you have to decide morally whether or not you hate Games Workshop enough as a company to stop playing their game and quit supporting them. Or, in some sort of twisted reality, you hate Games Workshop, but you love their game, but you don't want to support Games Workshop, so you steal from them, but 
you're going to be upset if the game eventually fails because enough people are pirating from it. That is a very, very weird, twisted logic. Um, and like I said before, I am no GW apologist necessarily. I'm not saying that you're the worst person in the world if you pirate. I personally don't like it um, because I feel like if you like the game enough to pirate it, then you should like the game enough to support it financially. Now, the whole other topic in that is, yes, Games Workshop's prices are definitely at a premium, and they are somewhat abusive or punitive, um, especially when I was shocked I bought a Star Wars Legion model of Luke Skywalker, and um, it was $15, and I bought it for brutality, but uh, I was like, oh my god, $15? This is a steal! Because any character from Games Workshop is $40, not 15 And we're talking about the legendary Luke Skywalker. Not just some general, you know, Commander Tarkin or, like, some other dude. This is actually the protagonist of the entire trilogy. And he's 15 bucks. <laughs> like, it almost doesn't seem right, but it's, it's true. Boba Fett? You know how popular Boba Fett is? Yeah, 15 bucks. And even that, 15 bucks is still a premium compared to how much it costs to make that one model, but obviously characters and IP, you gotta, you gotta pay for that. But $15 is so much more reasonable than $40 for a character. That's just insane. But, I mean, you either like the game or you don't, so it's, it's all up to you, and I guess in the long run what we're gonna see, it's a tug of war between all of the population, the whole player base's morals. And if you like the game, you should support it to some capacity. If you don't, then don't. But it, I always have found it kind of strange. They'd be like, oh, I love this game so much, but I only buy recasts and I printed my whole army and I've got stolen files. I'm like, uh, okay. I mean, if you love the game so much, why are you just straight up stealing it and playing for free? So, and the argument there also is for um, like free to play games like MMOs. A lot of people will brag, like, oh, I made it all the way to max level and I never gave them a dollar. And I'm like, well, if you're playing the MMO, I, I mean, I totally get it. I get trying to be frugal and all of that. And if you can arguably play the game for free, then why would you ever give them money? Now, we all know that they, you know, have like faster XP earning or whatever if you pay extra money or or whatever. They, they entice you pretty heavily to um to pay money, even if you're in the free version. But it's funny that you would spend all that time in a game and arguably enjoy it, because if not, I don't know why you're doing it, and then brag about not supporting that game that you like so much. That's very peculiar to me. But what do you do? So, um, although, you know what? The amount of... I will say this as an anecdote. The amount of PDF files that I have sold... Um, I have I would actually have to look at the numbers to see what they are compared to the hardback uh, physical copies. I would argue that it's possible I have sold more PDF copies than physical printed copies because the price difference is is quite a bit. I think um the PDF is like a third of what the hard copy is. So, I'm certain that piracy happens with my brutal brutality file, but the amount of copies I've sold of the PDF means that there's plenty of honest people. Now, there's no way of knowing how many have been stolen, so that's another thing. I could, let's say you sell 300 copies of something. Who knows if it's 1,200 copies have been pirated or 10? There's 
truly no way of knowing. But the point is, is it definitely does have some sort of impact. And that is arguably the impact it has had on movies. And everybody says, oh, why are the movies only big budget remakes? And why are... Why is no one going out on a limb like they did in the 80s to make Alien and Predator and Terminator and all these classic movies, Rocky and all that? Uh, Part of it has to do with the piracy for certain, because um, they're claiming in the U.S. every year the the TV and movie industry loses between 30 billion and 70 billion dollars. 30 billion to 70 billion dollars. That is a ton of money. They were also saying that uh, between twenty, uh, 230,000 jobs and 560,000 jobs were lost because of piracy. And you're like, well, how does, how does pirating a movie affect jobs? Well, the reason, partially, why we are having all these easy, you know, cash grab reboots and all of that is because... And also the reason why industry um, movies don't go out on the limb and do anything new or exciting or different is because the risk is too high. It costs so much to make the movie, and they've got to try to make sure that it appeals to the widest audience possible to be successfully released. Because they know that there's going to be a lot of piracy, and there's no way to stop it. So they end up having to do the same amount with less staff. They have to cut back on, on staffing and things like that in order to cut costs in order to, you know, make as much money as possible because it really is like a leaking sieve. Now, a lot of you, and I'm kind of in that same boat are like, Oh my God, cry me a river. Like (laughs) your industry is so huge that you can, you can still be floating at 30 to $70 billion lost a year. I mean, I get it. I get it. There's not a whole lot of, uh, love for corporations but so it really like i said it's really up to you whether or not you morally can support piracy or if you think a little bit of piracy is fine or absolutely no piracy but i know how much effort it it goes into making things and people who have their stuff stolen it's not really that cool to them so you just make make your own call anyway thank you so much for listening to the episode and thank you to gamemat.eu for supporting the show event 10 gives you 10 percent off your order and thank you to all of my patreon patrons i greatly appreciate the support and you keep the show going i'll see you next week